You heard it here first. CBS, NBC, CW, Gilmore Girls meets X Men. That's all you need in life. That's all you need. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to a very special double-sized issue of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book <laughs> Podcast. My name is Andy. Uh, along with me are Ryan and Kelsey, and despite technical difficulties, crazy internet, and uh, a lot of sex happening on Valentine's Day, <laughs> we found some way to come back together this week and uh, get you guys a cast. We have a whole bunch of uh, really awesome news it was uh, a little bit lighter in terms of the news for this week, but we also have last week's news to cover, and um, then we have two weeks of comics that we're going to get through. There was a lot of really great stuff, so we're going to kind of focus on the stuff that we really loved or maybe we really didn't like, um, and the stuff in the middle we might kind of like pass by. So if you have anything that you guys saw this week in terms of comics or news that you think we should cover that we didn't, tweet at us on our Twitter and, or leave us a message on the Podbean or email the show, and uh, we'll do our best to give you guys our look maybe in a separate small episode or something like that. But uh, aside from that, uh, I've got two co-hosts that are uh, eager to get this cast on the road. Uh, guys, how is your evening going so far? I know you both just got off. It's going. <laughs> uh, it's pretty fucking awesome, but uh, yeah, let's do this thing, though. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, so yeah, so we've got uh, a whole bunch of news from last week and this week. And just kicking it off right from the top, last week, actually the, well, I guess it wasn't last week, it was two weeks ago, the day after we recorded, uh, Marvel decided to uh, drop uh, some brand new news. They actually ended up going on The View on Friday morning after we recorded. they dropped that news on The View? Yeah, they did. Like they do. Uh, (laughs) And they dropped the news that Marvel was going to be presenting A-Force, which will be a... uh, all-new Avengers team that will be all-female and will be the result of the end of this upcoming Secret Wars storyline. Yes! Right now there's kind of been like two sets of Avengers teams that have kind of been going on, and it looks like Marvel's going to be consolidating them all. Um, They're going to have G. Willow Wilson uh, writing... They also have Jorge Molina on art, and uh, Marguerite K. Bennett uh, will be doing uh, the writing as well. Uh, This comic that they showed off has pretty much, like, I don't know, what we were saying, like, almost every relevant lady character. (laughs) Well, let's just say that G. Willow Wilson referred to it as feminist paradise, which (laughs) makes me the happiest. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. You can see, I mean, take your pick of female Marvel character for the last 15, 20 years, and you could definitely find them. There's even, I think if I look hard enough in the back, there's even uh, 90s Jubilee back there, so. Oh, is she a vampire? What up? Uh, I don't think so yet. I think she's, I think in this, in this comic, she looks like she's non-vampiric, so who knows? But there's definitely a Spider-Gwen, too. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Gwen makes an appearance. We see, like, you know, of course, uh, She-Hulk is kind of front and center on the whole damn thing. But, uh, yeah, Spider-Gwen. I like that Snowbird from Alpha Flight is in mm-hmm. there. Yeah, Snowbird. Alpha Flight is just, like, the best group of, like, Canadian, like, do-gooder superheroes there is. Like, uh, it is the only group of Canadian do-gooder superheroes. 
Yeah, also the best. <laughs> it's actually got two Alpha Flight members because in the left corner there is Aurora. So there are two Alpha Flighters in this team. Yeah. yeah. So if you're really into Canadian comic book lore, pick up A Force. <laughs> yeah. It also looks like um, what what is Pepper's name when she's in a suit? Rescue is that her name? Yes, Rescue is her name. Yeah, Rescue Firestar. Um, I don't know that chick from uh. Oh shit! From uh, Runaways. Oh, um, Molly. Yeah, they're all in it. That'll be killer. I'm interested to see if they do like if they're a team or if it's kind of going to be like uh, kind of break down in different stories in the issue. Yeah, I mean, I hope they each just all get their own individual books. <laughs> I, I don't think it would be too unusual to see them maybe like. You know, because there is kind of like a splintered Avengers thing going on right now. Mm-hmm. If they kind of follow, you know, maybe like two or three different groups of these ladies. And then as they kind of like all come together, then it's like, you know, how they all got there. And in the end of the like first issue or two, it's like, okay, now we're, you know, A-Force. We're the, we're the Avengers and we're here to kick ass. And who Who is the chick front and center with right next to She-Hulk? Uh, Dazzler? No, 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 no. I know her. Oh, you Come mean on. on the right? Yeah, the chick that's just stars. It's like all cosmic? Yeah. Singularity, right? Yeah, I believe that's... I think that's right. I think what that's is she from? Uh, I think she's a, like, uh, a... Um, what do you call it? Like a uh, sword and, like, cosmic villain? I don't know. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um... She, I remember that she was on Earth 616. Uh, I don't remember like her storylines or anything like uh, that. Maybe not. who's bottom right corner? Oh, that's a oh, what's her name from the runaways? That's the other one from the runaways. Yes, I can't remember. I love that character, she's awesome. Yeah, but um, Singularity is from X Men, so what. God, I fall behind on X Men for a year. Nico Minoru, they introduced right? the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nico. yeah that's Nico. That's yeah. who she is, right? Yeah, the witch. Stupid X Men. Not stupid X Men. Singularity got to battle Dazzler, and it's fucking cool as shit. <laughs> uh, it's so hard to keep up with the X Men. Yeah. Well, we've already talked about this at great length. Like, you just—it's impossible to actually do it. You just. When is like Stanford going to call me and give me a degree, like an, yeah. an honorary one? So okay, so so hold on. So actually, so actually, uh, Singularity was a part of making this event. Uh, Marvel gave G Willow Wilson the ability to essentially make a brand new character. And so uh, Wilson came up with Singularity to tie into the series. And uh, Singularity is not a human. She's, uh, quote, actually a cosmological event. Uh, (laughs) That rules. Like the Phoenix Force. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. She doesn't have any real gender, but chooses to be female. Goddamn right she does. Likens her to the enigmatic Q from Star Trek The Next Generation. That's the so, fucking coolest thing. Yeah. Oh, cool. I mean, like, G. Willow Wilson creating cosmic lady Q seems like a recipe for success to me. So That reminds me of a really crappy Defenders character from the 70s. I don't know why this character exists. <laughs> but her name was Cloud, and she was a nebula that could take human form. Oh wow! That's 
Oh, yeah, and that she's an awful character. But um, it reminds me, like, if that character didn't suck, that would be singularity. <laughs> yeah, that was certainly a nebulous idea at best. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's me clapping. That's me clapping, Andy. Yeah. It's bad. It's very bad. Um, <laughs> along it wasn't with, good. Along with, along with this news, uh, Marvel also announced that... Uh, um, Sana Amat, who uh, is the editor on several Marvel titles, uh, actually several that we love, uh, she currently edits Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel, Elektra, Daredevil, Hawkeye, and Rocket Raccoon, to name a few. And uh, they promoted her to the director of content and character development. So uh, she's going to be basically overseeing a bunch of the direction of where all of these characters are going within the Marvel Universe. So that's good news for everyone. Um, some people might also know that uh, Sana Mott did a teen talk, a teen TED talk about uh, like representation in media and stuff. And uh, I've got that pulled, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So if you guys didn't have anything else to be excited about for wonderful Marvel news. Um, what, what a badass job. Yeah, right? Like, like, I wish that was my job. Yeah, that, <laughs> that title, Director of Content and Character Development at Marvel Comics. That's pretty good. It's like they come. Hey, can can we make Cyclops a dick? Yes, you make that decision. Like oh you God. are that that this is decider. So I need to pause for a second because I just realized I'm a fucking idiot about the singularity thing because I was thinking of the boy one from the Guardian Clan. Yeah, and that's actually <laughs> what I came across first was like singularity Neo. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like Devin I, or something. I don't know. I wasn't is. even looking at the cover. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Don't lynch me. That's all right. I still love you. Kelsey's a bad nerd. I am the worst nerd. That's all right. <laughs> that is okay. Although, um, to be fair, I did say the nerdiest things before this podcast started, and now you just true. can't hear them. <laughs> you just, you always say true. the nerdiest things all the time. So, you know, enjoy them. But now I have to double-proof my nerd cred because I said something wrong, yeah. and I have a uterus, so. That's all right. <laughs> We've got uh, we've got plenty of room on this cast for people to prove their nerd cred, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, so, uh, speaking of room on the cast, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, recently closed up some room in its uh, cinematic cast, as last week we had the announcement that none other than Peter Parker himself, I guess they didn't confirm that it was going to be Peter, but... Might not be Peter. Um, uh, but Spider-Man will be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe in what is a breakthrough deal um, with Sony, somehow allowing for them to, you know, have Spider-Man appear inside the... Uh, it's going to be in the third Avengers film that he shows up in, um, and possibly in the future. So um, this also comes in line with Sony announcing that they are not going to be continuing with Andrew Garfield and... Um, that they'll be looking for someone younger as well. Interesting, um, to say the least. Styles from Teen Wolf, Dylan O'Brien is rumored, which I would be down with. Of course mm. you would. <laughs> and Logan Lerman from uh, Perks of Being Wallflower is also rumored. Uh, or Fury. You can pick what movie you like a veteran. Oh. But I'm okay with both of those. I have a bone to pick about this, though. Okay. Pick so, it up, my man. That's like half of this cast anyways, right? Uh, so <laughs> this this happens and like Peter Parker, they're like, oh yeah, Spider-Man's coming to the Marvel world. Cool. And then I have all these friends who are like quasi in the comics or like associate, like people I'm associated with, like know by association. And they're like, 
they start posting this stuff that's like, oh, Marvel's going to announce a new Spider-Man and it's going to be a white boy. And like they have this chance to have like a racial representation. And what are they going to do? They're just going to like whitewash the character again. I'm so tired of this shit. Okay, one, you can't whitewash a character that's white. Peter Walker is a white character. You can't whitewash him. He's already a white person. Two, read a fucking comic book. If you're an actual comic book fan and you know anything about Marvel, a company that has given us in the last year, like, oh, 12 female-centered, like, comic books, tons of racially diverse characters. We've created a black Captain America. We've created a female Thor. Like, read a fucking comic book before you sit there and try to talk like you know what Marvel's about. And three, Miles Morales' fucking story is based in Peter Parker. You can't have one without the other. His entire origin story starts with Peter Parker. Read a fucking comic book. God damn it. Stop complaining and acting like you're some sort of goddamn activist because you want a black Spider-Man. I'm cool with a black Spider-Man too. I would pay tons of money to see Donald Glover as Spider-Man. <laughs> Stop saying that they're whitewashing Peter Parker. It drives me fucking crazy. I think that it's kind of very... Uh, it's interesting, the whole like pushback that um, <clears throat> that like inclusion in media ends up generating from all sides. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, it's, it is true that Peter Parker is a white character. And I think that the, the thing that I think people need to cling to is that what everyone wants is not necessarily like, I don't think anyone is necessarily saying like, we have to have a white Spider-Man. Right. Except for Ryan. <laughs> we talked about this a couple, a little, a, a little way back though. Like, here's the thing. If we just want a good Spider-Man, like if they have a full on casting run and like Steven Yoon is the guy that ends up oh my like, God. coming out with the best, like the best performance out of all of it. And Andy, like the casting actor, second. the casting director <laughs> says like, Hey, this is who we're going with. Like, and he ends up killing the role. Like, you know, I think we would all be like, well. He's he's not white anymore. Literally, do not even joke about Stephen Yu and his Spider Man because now that's the only thing I want. But like, I a hundred percent agree with you. Andy. Yeah, like, and, and and we talked about with Fantastic Four. Like, exactly. I just want the best actor for the role. But I hate that people are like, oh, they're whitewashing the character. No, they're not. You can't whitewash a character that it's his entire like his whole origin story, his entire run. He's been a white character. You can't whitewash him. And also everyone's like, you have this chance to introduce Miles Morales. Yes, you do. And that would be great. And I honestly think they should do it. They could – Spider-Man's a huge character. You have enough movies to introduce Spider-Man and Miles Morales. You don't need one without the other. Yeah, the the only problem with doing one and the other as well is that uh, Sony isn't willing to bankroll two Spider-Man movies with two separate actors. You know, like – I mean – I, I totally agree. I would love it if they cast, like, you know, if let's say they kept Andrew Garfield on and then they were like, hey, guess what? The next, com- the next Spider-Man movie that we're going wa- to be doing is a crazy crossover thing where somehow Mysterio opens up a weird interdimensional portal and fucking Miles Morales drops in and it's Donald Glover. Like, you know? We don't even need, like, the crossover. I mean, honestly, the whole story of Miles Morales is just the Prowler steals Peter Parker's blood. And it's given to Miles Morales, essentially. Yep. And so, I mean, 
Like you can introduce both characters. You could do them simultaneously. You can introduce Peter Parker and then Miles Morales. Uh, the like the Marvel universe is slightly based off the Ultimate Universe to begin with, so it wouldn't be hard to introduce both characters. Yeah, I mean, like the only the only problem is that like in the Ultimate Universe, there's no Spider-Man besides Miles. I mean, I think you know, in a perfect world we'd be able to have like Miles Morales be the Spider-Man in the Mar- in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we could have like you know a Sony Spider-Man be Peter Parker in a separate universe and not have to worry about a crossover or whatever but you know i mean i think the the thing to be happy about is that we finally are going to get Spider-Man in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie which i mean at least initially it's probably just going to be like a, you know, 10, well, maybe not even 10 minute cameo. <laughs> Is it the quickest yeah. cameo in the planet? <laughs> it's, it's probably going to be the post credit. Yeah. yeah, you know, um, so like initially maybe it's not going to be much, but hopefully it means that, you know, the guys who have been helming these fantastic Marvel films we've had for the last three years or so will get their hands on Spider-Man because, you know, like, I mean, I, I enjoyed The Amazing Spider-Man, the first one with Andrew Garfield. The second one I didn't think was as good, but I still think it was better than, like, the the Tobey Maguire third movie or whatever. <laughs> oh Even the God. second one, it's so bad. Um, um, Steel starring Shaquille O'Neal is better than the third Spider-Man movie by Sam <laughs> Raimi, so... <laughs> I think I, I actually get, get I think I actually get more enjoyment out of watching Tommy Wiseau's The Room than I do um <laughs> watching Spider-Man 3. Uh, and that's mostly because I get to like shout at the screen and throw spoons, which is really fun. I just go on the defensive real hard for Marvel cuz like I've been a comic book fanboy my whole life and I love that comics are getting the exposure they are now, but with it it brings all these people who are like attacking Marvel. They're like, "Oh, you know, like you guys like you have the potential to introduce a black character and you you, you just like use a a like mostly male white cast." And I get so annoyed because it's like my whole life for me, looking at Marvel, they've always represented such a like progressive um, front for entertainment. It's like, you know, like, I mean, the X-Men, like the legacy virus was an allegory for AIDS, you know? Like, they introduced the first openly gay character in the early 90s, like way before that was happening in any other form of entertainment, you know? And, like, there are companies like Image that don't adhere to a comic book code that can go a lot farther than Marvel can, But as far as like a mainstream comic book company, it's like DC won't even let two comic book characters get married that are gay. And Marvel's just like, we're going to put that shit on our cover and they're going to be kissing. (laughs) Like, I mean, I I think I just get so upset when people attack Marvel. It's like, read a comic book. I think like know the history before you start attacking the company. Yeah, I think some of the problem is that like too often, especially when it comes to like being on the Internet, like and like I, I almost don't want to say discussing, but more like complaining about things. Um, it's so often that people are looking for like a, um, you know, like a scapegoat, like someone to pin it on. And like, Ryan, I think I kind of get where you're coming from where you're like, people are like attacking Marvel for like its choices and stuff. And I think that, you know, to some degree, like, yeah, in a perfect world, it'd be great if we could have like a super diverse cast of every single movie. That's not where everyone is. And it's important to appreciate the steps that we take and on the way there. And it's important to like not be satisfied when you don't feel like representation is appropriate. But I don't think that like, if you think that Marvel has a problem with representation and you have been listening to this podcast and you didn't hear about how they gave G Willow Wilson 
this wonderful all-female-led Avengers team, and they just promoted Sana Amat, who's edited maybe six to seven of the most wonderfully diverse, inclusive, well-written comic books out there right now, and promoted her director of content. Like, don't worry. Like, these things will work its way out. Like, you know, it's it's good to be angry about these things, but, like, you know, to a certain degree, it's like, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, a lot of times people get mad at, like, places for, like, putting up a headline with, like, a, a news story for, like, a journalist. Like, guess what, guys? Like, no journalist gets to write their own headline, you know? And sometimes, <laughs> like, some of the details about comics and casting and stuff aren't necessarily in the hands of all the people that we'd want it to be all the time. So, you know, like, yeah, let's let's get mad about it, but, you know, put the pitchforks away, guys, right? That's Yeah, like, one of the biggest things about that is that there's definitely, like... Andy, you and I are like two of the biggest feminists that I know. <laughs> and so there's stuff like that where how Ryan was saying like people will get upset because there's not like enough like female representation or not enough like any representation of anything or and just complain about Marvel as a general whole. But yeah, you guys are right. Like they just aren't stoked with like the progress that's being made, even though it's way huge. Um, because even though like, yeah, there's like 12 different comics that are all led by females right now. Like that's as opposed to like the hundreds of ones that are like led by men, which I totally get, but it's going in the right direction from the zero that it was for a very long time. So it's baby, baby steps, but it's going in the right way. And Marvel's definitely not the worst proponent of this by any means. So I feel you both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, moving away from uh, the Marvel got real universe. Deep this episode. <laughs> It's weird. We always tend to get like a little deep anyways, but you know, it's all good. Uh, we get, um, we had some rumors. They were initially confirmed by, I believe it was, uh, it was like CBR who ended up running with the story. Um, uh, oh, actually it was Nerdist who actually broke it first last week that, uh, DC's comic based live action TV series in development at TNT, which would be Titans, um, initially was rumored that they had found uh, the cast that they would be using. Now, not necessarily the actors, but the individual cast of the Teen Titans, or I guess they wouldn't be Teen Titans, they'd be actual Titans. Forgive me. But it would be um, Robin, Oracle, Barbara Grayson, who I believe will still be wheelchair-bound, Hawk, Dove, Raven and Starfire would be just the all the birds. Together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the birds. Can we get June the Swan and Ken the Eagle in there? Shout out to my <laughs> 90s anime fans. Um, Depending on what Hawk and Dove they go with, that could be a literally all female cast save for Nightwing. Yeah, it looks like uh, it's. It looks like they have at least the Nerdist report has Hank Hall and Don Granger as the Hawk and Dove. So it would, it looks like original be, Hawk and Dove. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, I, I do agree. It would be awesome if this was like Robin and all ladies, like, <laughs> but you know, like this, it seems like at least in terms of, I guess if you could call it DC continuity, it would be um, kind of Robin before he full on becomes Nightwing and he's no longer Robin. He's just kind of trying to figure it out. Uh, it would be. Wait, it is a very it? strange, like hodgepodge group of titans. Yeah, and it's because DC, like we've talked about on like previous episodes, is spreading so thin across the networks. Like they, like they just have their eggs in so many different baskets because they can't use 
Cyborg because he's going to be in the movie. They can't use any of the Green Arrow characters or Flash characters because they're CW. They can't use any of the like Kryptonians because they're going to be CBS with Supergirl. And then they can't use certain aspects of the Batman characters because of Gotham. Ooh, Gotham, cancel it. Yeah, and, and well, and that's kind of like what we were talking about with Spider-Man, right? And with Marvel, where it's like you spread all of those different, you know, characters out and. Ugh. So, I mean, I don't have, honestly, very high hopes because I don't remember the last time I liked a TNT original program. <laughs> Are you not a fan of The Closer? Is that what yeah. you're telling me right now? I own all f- however many seasons of Rizzolian Isles on fucking Blu-ray. <laughs> One of my buddies is, like, mad into Rizzolian Isles. He's like, I, don't I, know I watch it all is. the time. And I was like, I, I, I don't know. The only thing I've ever watched on TNT is reruns of Buffy and Angel. So it's like... That's I don't, not the network that does Psych, is it? No, that's it's USA. A different, oh. yeah, there you go. It's some other weird old people network. Hey, so, man, I love Psych. Yeah, I <laughs> do too. I just don't, don't know like, anything else on that network that right. isn't aimed towards like the baby boomers. So, yeah. um, but I, I don't have like huge expectations, which could be a good thing. It might make me end up liking the show more. I just thought TNT was a really strange network to go with in the beginning, like to begin with. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um. Akiva Goldsman and Mark Hames are slated as executive producers so far. Uh, Goldsman, um, I believe, was a writer on I Am Legend, the movie, A Beautiful Mind, and looks like Batman and Robin is in his credits. Oh, sweet. Well, I will say also that, like, uh, the I Am Legend one. Get the Da Vinci Code. Oh, shit. This is so bad. Well, if this is... If this is supposed to be his track record for converting written word into movie, these are all bad. Like, yeah, Jonah maybe let's X. try his different choice. God damn. Like, Jonah I Am Legend, X. that movie was so good until the dog died, and then... Was that movie good? I just remember it being fucking awful. Well, see, like, I, I also read the book beforehand, and in the book, the fucking ending is totally different and not horrible. He, You know, he's written... It's like he wrote... Um, I mean, A Beautiful Mind's a really good movie. Yeah, I mean, he, he also wrote Practical he, Magic, which I think won uh, the Academy Award for uh, A Beautiful Mind. Yeah, so he's got a he's got a I don't know, kind of a spotty track record here. I guess we'll see. It what seems happens. like he does like occasional good things, and then he does like, well, time to pay the bills kind of things. Yeah, well, he did executive produce um, three Paranormal Activity movies, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's paying the bills. Yep, that's paying the bills right there. Yeah. That's also uh, what I refer to uh, as the Kevin James model. <laughs> oh god. He also produced a uh, 2008 mega hit Hancock, everyone. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> we all just god. broke together it gets in unison. Worse and worse. <laughs> movie was so good for 40 minutes. Uh, <laughs> was it? It really was. Very no, when Jason Bateman, when it's all about Jason Bateman just <laughs> marketing for Hancock, when awesome. It's, when it's like Jason Bateman trying desperately to like clean up the mess that Hancock is making in the city, it's pretty good. It's a little bit of like uh, Arrested Development, Michael, with like way off the chain Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then <laughs> the rest of the movie happens and... And it's a travesty. Yeah. Can we just kickstart to for them to reboot the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? No, because 
No. Unless it's Will Smith, I don't want to watch it. No, no, that's what I'm saying. With Will Smith. Oh, then yes. Mm. But he just plays himself as like an 18 year old. <laughs> I want like I want it to be like the the like the fresh king of Philadelphia, and it's oh no God. longer about him being a kid, oh. but about him being a grown up and that's... dealing with his crazy eccentric children. Let's just oh, give God. them all of our money. Uh, um, would never another you could never reboot it because sorry, go ahead. That I forgot. Um, I just the the rumor right now. We didn't talk. Uh, like we didn't put it in our news, but um, the rumor now is Constantine is going to get canceled. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Sci-Fi wants to pick it up for a second season. Oh, that's good. Huh. I actually like it a lot. Like it's not it's, like a runaway hit it's, by any stretch. It's supernatural with DC characters. Yeah, but I like it. I I can't remember the main actor's name right now. It's Matt something, right? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is the fucking best. If he's like, not Constantine in the Justice League Dark movie that supposedly is going to happen, I don't really give a shit. Uh, yeah, he's fucking wonderful. Like, the rest of the cast, meh, take it or leave it, but Matt Ryan is fucking doing the Lord's work, no pun intended. But, like, that show is gr- I think it's, like... The writing's not always there, but, like, his acting is just so good. You just want to keep on watching it just yeah, he, because. he carries the show. Yeah, hands down. Like, on his fucking back. Like, through He's the snow, up the hill I, both ways. I really wish that they had just gone HBO. Yeah, like, <sighs> that would have been way better for him. I think, you know what? I think, I think that's the real problem, is that, like, in order to deal with Constantine and do, like, to give it a true, like, adaptation it just does not even belong anywhere near network television yeah you, you know? need to be able to say we're stronger than crap <laughs> like, yeah like i mean you you need to be able to curse you need to be able to have fucking john like take like crazy chances sleeping around with like demons and like just random fucking people and shit. Like, I don't know. Like that that book gets so dark. Hell Hellblazer is like one of the darkest comics that I've read, and I just don't know how they could do that on NBC. It could stand a better chance, I think, on Sci-Fi because they do yeah. have a little less like restriction. Like they, I think they definitely be more willing to take a chance on like some of his like sexual preferences. Yeah. And I know they have like some more like nudity leeway and a little more with like cursing as well. So I think it could do better on sci-fi, but but the audience like viewership is gonna go so down. Low. Yeah, like drastically. So we yeah. might get like a second season as like a swan song, but I don't think it's gonna make it past there. It honestly feels like to me like did you guys ever watch that old show? Um, oh my god, what's it called? Jericho. Yeah. It reminds me of that where Jericho like did like super strong like the first season and I think like the second like, one they're just like mm, man fuck this because they couldn't go anywhere they needed to with it so instead they like canceled it after like the second or third season and they just made it into a comic book series. <laughs> fucking Luke Perry was in that show. Yes, he oh, was. Wow, he was. Jeez. Yeah. I fucking love that show so much. I just really love like post apocalyptic anything. Let's be real, but. I don't know. I mean, I think it really would have just done that would have been a perfect vehicle for like HBO or AMC to do like a a really Well, thank God AMC thing. got preacher. I was yeah. just going to say. <laughs> so I guess we'll have to and, wait for uh, those, but... Well, when they just announced today Fox got picked up Lucifer. I saw that. Uh, and it's yeah. such a strange like why why are all these like mainstream like top 5 network channels picking up these like really dark like 
hardcore comic books. Oh no. They're all literally just trying to get skin in the game. I don't think they care and I don't think they understand. I think they're just like, hey, so um we need to get in on this like comic book thing? Question mark. And they just kinda like leave it. It's not necessarily the best choice, but it's the choice that they're making. So I guess, yeah, I guess it's kinda like a cash grab. It's like you see where the market is shifting and yeah, it's, it's why there's like nine hundred thousand different vampire everything's after the whole Twilight series came out. Yeah. Like people just want a fucking piece. They don't care if they do it well. They just want somebody to tune in and watch. Everyone's got a eighties guy in their uh <laughs> telling you, man, they you gotta know. think about synergy, man. They know um, I'll fucking watch because they're like <laughs> comic book fans, watch fucking anything comic like, books. I mean like that's vampires are a thing. It's not wrong. Um, it's true because we're so hardcore. It's like we gotta watch them all, man. Except Gotham, I gave up already. I did too. I had to. I was telling somebody at my work today like why Gotham is such a terrible show, and he's like, I don't know, I like it. And then I started like going into depth with it. He's like, You're making me rethink this, man. I fucking am so mad at you about this. <laughs> it's funny because it's the one we like the least, but it's also the one with the best ratings. Because uh, people are the worst. It's because it's entirely mainstream. It can Isn't appeal to like a br- yes. That's why. It's like all breadcrumbs. God you know. damn you, Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> they just, and this ep, this issue, or episode, this the newest one, it's introduces the Joker, one, right? the Joker. Yeah, it's like some young-ass kid or something. Why, like, why give me the Joker without Batman? Like, why do I give a shit? It's literally the worst. Yeah, it's just so pandery. That's why I think it's the same thing with Big Bang Theory. Like, it's basically just like a survey uh, for, like, non is what it is so it's that. like how i have to take like a math class which is like math for liberal arts students like i don't give a fuck about math i'm just there to get like the cliff notes that's what this show is for like people like oh yeah i like comic book stuff and it's just like yeah i saw gotham once i saw that dark knight movie something <laughs> like, it sucks too because i actually really do like donald Logue as harvey bullock like he, yeah. I think I yeah. think he's awesome, and I even like Ben McKenzie as Gordon. Like I think he plays the character well. I just don't like the show in general. Yeah, I think the 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 thing with Gotham is like in the two or three episodes that I ended up watching. You know, I ended up like there were several moments in each episode where I was like, man, like I really like the way that this guy's playing fill in the blank character. And then there were a lot more moments where I was like, what the fuck? Where are they going with this? Or like, re- did that really happen? Like, Who approved oh, this? Uh, but anyways, speaking of DC things that we haven't lost faith in, uh, just a few moments before we actually started recording this cast, uh, the always wonderful Zack Snyder, well, not always wonderful, but usually wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Zack Snyder, uh, gave us our first look and Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Ugh, uh, he posted it up bless. to his uh, Twitter and I believe Instagram as well. It is all over the internet. It's also on our Twitter. I threw yeah, it up there as so soon as it went live. It's uh, It's got like pretty it's... much the most badass image of Aquaman I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Can we just tag it with like an NSFW? Because that's what it feels like. It's literally trending in three different ways on Twitter right now. It's trending <laughs> as Aquaman, Jason Momoa, and Unite the Seven. Ugh, so good. God, just get and it, and all it, over my body. And it looks almost like, you know, on his like left arm, it looks like that's not like armor. But no, it's like, tattoos. Like, Maori, like Maori style, like like truly tribal tattoos which is it is uh, which is amazing a nice touch yeah this is like really the way they needed to go with aquaman because that's how like that's who the character should be in general like 
he, I don't know, just Aquaman coming from Atlantis and Atlantis isn't in the fucking U.S. It's not in North yeah. America. It was always, it was, Euro, it's a European settlement, like, or it was in Europe, supposedly, is like where it was supposed to sink. So, like, he's never, I never bought the whole, like, why do you look like a white dude from America? Like, you need to be this dude. You need to be Jason Momoa, like, some, like, badass, big, huge ethnic dude mm-hmm. who who is just, like, who is literally, you can swim around with all of the pressure of the ocean push, pushing down on you. Like, you need to be that big. <laughs> I'm so this this has given me so much more excitement about Superman and Batman than anything else has. <laughs> For yeah, real, like this is, is like the one time like the like the stereotypical like male power fantasy has worked in my favor. Like it's so good. <laughs> I just I want all of it. Yeah, I gotta say this is like the the first time that um, I really felt like. Um, DC did a good job of kind of like pushing us towards their next film. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Marvel's really good about that, but like, um, you know, using him, uh, using Jason Momoa as kind of like that catalyst to get us into the justice league movie. is just going to be, uh, oh, it's going to be perfect. It's a smart tagline too. unite the seven. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Cause the seven has always been like the justice league's number. They usually yep. have like a, a solid seven members. So like hardcore comic book fans see it and appreciate it. And then people who don't know it are in, see like, him instantly. and appreciate him. <laughs> yes. But they instantly also like, they want to know what that means. It's going to be a little more cryptic to them, but I, I don't know. This is exciting. Yeah pretty fucking ant not That's gonna funny. lie <laughs> uh something that uh actually i found out about just moments before the cast as well that uh, i'm pretty amped about is brian singer announced that we have another addition to our x-men apocalypse cast uh and that takes the place of none other than kurt Wagner, uh, um who baby. will be played by cody smith mcphee he'll be taking on the role of nightcrawler um so yeah, he's. Pretty... Has he been in anything? Uh, he's... Yeah, he's been in a bit, actually. Yeah, he's done actually right. a handful of other stuff. Um, he was in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yep. He was in The Road. He was. Was in... that the one with Draco Malfoy? Uh, no, the one after. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, that's correct. And then he was also in um, the American version of Let Me In. And he was in. Uh, he's the voice of Norman in Paranorman. I yeah. I really like him. I'm pretty pumped for him to be. Uh, like I haven't. I don't think color. I've seen anything that he's in, but he looks like the, just his look looks pretty perfect, and I'm pretty stoked. So I think yeah, he'll do well. It's weird to say someone has like Nightcrawler features, but he does. Yeah, like I looked at him, and was like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, I'm excited. I like him in everything I've seen him in, and I've actually surprisingly seen a lot of what he's in. Yeah, and I always want more Nightcrawler. Yeah, uh, the film that I saw him in last that I really enjoyed was Young Ones. It's this like science fiction post-apocalyptic USA film. Uh, It's about like this these people who like basically people kill everyone because like there was a drought, a drought, and uh, they want like water. Um, he played, he's in that film with, uh, Nick Holt, who is beast, uh, Ellie Fanning, Michael Shannon. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good film. So if you guys have a chance to check out young ones, um, 
go right ahead. I don't know. He's he's definitely like he's not like a I, I don't know. He he's not the person that I would have, you know, picked out like out of like off the top of my head to play Nightcrawler, but you know, like you said, it's almost weird to say he has Nightcrawler features, but I can almost already see him like suited up in blue fur and yep, speaking with that. a German accent, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, of course, as usual, uh, most of our news consists of casting information. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we just absolutely love everything about uh, comics coming to the silver screen and the large, giant, enormous big screen. Really do. Um, and uh, despite our problems with the last comic book film that Ryan Reynolds was in, uh, his <laughs> next comic book <laughs> film... Uh, will be Deadpool, um, helmed by Fox, and they just got a new female lead. It will be none other than the absolutely, undeniably, ridiculously gorgeous Marina Baccarin. Um, she most recently was on Homeland, where she played the wife of Damien Brody. Uh, Let's be real. We all know her as Anara from Firefly. Yeah, Serenity. but most likely she's known <laughs> as Anara from Firefly. Most nerds, at least, will probably know her from that. My she's also in Gotham, which I didn't know. Yeah. She's, she's Dr. Leslie Tompkins. Somebody. Who cares? <laughs> in Gotham. And she's in The Flash? What the fuck? Was yeah. she? Oh, right. no, she's the voice of Gideon, Harrison Wells' robot. Yeah. She's actually... Uh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, Marina Baccarin has done a lot of, like, work after coming off of Homeland recently. Um, I think she kind of got a nice boost to her uh, exposure there, which is great for her. Um, Are you sure it wasn't because she was in V, the reboot? Oh, yeah, of <laughs> course. You know... Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, the more interesting part about this is that she's just attached as the female lead. So it very much is a mystery right now exactly who the female lead will be in this Deadpool film. Now, I've heard some speculation that she's just going to be playing a regular person, but like I told that person, that's just fucking ridiculous. This is a Deadpool movie, everyone. Like, the female lead isn't just going to be a regular person. Um, Give me Domino. Yeah, I'm of the the (laughs) thought that I think Domino is is, uh, what's most likely, only because I could see Marina Baccarin... Just paint her left eye black, and I think feel like she's pretty much Domino already. So, um, I think that could work out really well. I mean, of course, you could also have her. Uh, I was reading, I think it was like CBR, and they had like a poll up, and one of their choices was um, Death, which yeah, I know we, we mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, um, like Kelsey. That'd be cool to like introduce her as Death because that's why Deadpool can't die. So, yeah. like, introduce her early in the movie to, like, explain why Ryan Reynolds can go the entire movie with all this, like, bullshit happening to him. Like, I'm sure they could just go completely, like, comic book Deadpool and make it so his, like, arm gets lopped off and then he uses it to beat people up. And it would be explained away just by introducing her as death right at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that would be awesome. I don't think that will happen, but that would be fucking great. I'd rather if it, like, he, like... He, like, has his hand get cut off, and then, like, his hand, like, autonomously, like, beats someone up. <laughs> but I know that's not, like, that's not Deadpool's power, right? He can't do that. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Deadpool and Cable are both characters. That's why they had their own comic, where you kind of just invent powers as you You're go like, yeah, yeah, They can just do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, just yeah, on that bitch in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, so Miranda Baccarin will be, um, somewhere in there. She could also be Copycat. That's another character. Yeah, that would work as well. 
I don't know. I think, uh, you know. Any badass gun-toting female like Mercenary, I'm cool with. Which, there's a lot of those in Marvel, so we have a lot of choices. I mean, I would have taken Marina Baccarin as, like, Maria Hill as well. But Oh, my know, God. I can't get... <laughs> I, I can't be mad about Colby Smothers. That's impossible. Um, yeah. She's kind of perf. Yeah, exactly. Um, a small bit of additional perfect news. Um, great things are coming to the wonderful city of Townsville. Uh, that's because Cartoon Network has renewed, uh, well, they actually announced they're going to reboot, return with more Powerpuff Girls coming up soon. Also, they renewed another season of Adventure Time and I think Steven Universe as well. Um, so good things coming to Cartoon Network if that's kind of your car- comic jam. I love Powerpuff Girls. I'm not, I saw the first movie in theaters. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah, me too. I totally did that also. Oh, that movie's cuties. That show's awesome. It makes it so like referential to like just being a nerd in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, so like, many. Uh, seriously, awesome. if you ever want to have like a weird, like super happy nostalgia trip, go back and watch like four to six episodes of Powerpuff Girls, you'll be like, damn, the writing was this good? Like, <laughs> oh, I didn't realize it. Like, uh, those, they, they really were hitting on all cylinders. So There is an episode where they have a spawn analog named Spore. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, and there's like, a ton of, like, tongue-in-cheek stuff with, like, other comic book stuff where they're like, ha-ha, that's right, guys, it's Spore. Oh, man. Uh, it's not as, like... It's not as brilliantly tongue-in-cheek with the writing as something like Animaniacs was back in the day. <laughs> oh, but, man. Um, but, <laughs> that show was my everything. <laughs> yeah, but it definitely is one of the better uh, moments in uh, cartoon goodness. Animaniacs is so good. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about Animaniacs is that people forget is that it like spawned like other cartoon shows out of there. Like, um, But anyways, speaking of wonderful things that happened this week. Uh, we had last some week. great comics. Yeah, that came out last week as well. And I guess last week is really the place to start. And I can't really think of a better place to start than the end of uh, the Spider-Verse event. I knew it. I knew it. Which I finally knew it came there. together. Uh, <laughs> Ten points to Ryan for predicting the transition properly. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, we finally had the end of this crazy multiple universe Spider-Man event come to a close last week. We got to see some Spider-Men survive. Some did not. Who died? Um, Kane. Like, was there? Kane was the main death to come from that. I think so. I think Kane was really the 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 biggest you know loss of everyone in there. Um, I'm actually flipping through the comic right now to double check just to <laughs> just to see. But you know, I liked. I really liked the event as a whole, just because I'm a Spider-Man nerd, of course. And um, I thought it was well written, and um, I actually liked a lot of like the spinoffs. I really um, Spider Woman has been surprisingly like really good lately, uh, and ha- I really love Silk and Silk. Uh, yeah, Silk rules. So good. And then, of course, Spider-Gwen, like, it introduced so many cool characters. This, like, I just really feel like the conclusion was, like, nothing happened. <laughs> like, there's really no repercussion except, like, oh, Kane's dead. I don't know. And, like, I guess the, like, the spider-eaters are gone. Yeah, the the family of this, like, group of spider-eaters, they're, they're all dead. They ended up being banished to, like... A poison planet. Yeah. Or, to, and the radiation kills them. Yeah. Earth 3145. Uh, and like you said, there definitely were, like, a ton of just 
fantastic cameos that show up. Like I love, you know, I we saw it coming because uh, I know I was reading Spider Man twenty ninety nine the week before as well. But when they're like in the middle of the giant battle, and then all of a sudden, like fucking the giant robot Spider Man comes through like the tele the teleports into battle, and yeah, Japanese Spider Man is like Leo, pardon, you have returned. Oh my gosh, so good, man. Oh, like. There's so many, like, great little, like, Spider-Man references. Spider-Ham is, like, a badass at one point in this comic as well. And he also Um, takes his costume off, and it's the most awkward-looking thing I've ever seen. (laughs) But also amazing at the same time, uh, because he says, face it, pal, you just got (laughs) ham-boozled. Which is a totally Spider-Man joke. There's some, like, great one-liners, yeah, and there was some really good character interaction. I just, it was this, like, how long did Spider-Verse last? Uh, it was, like, a couple s- months, six or seven issues of the individual comic, and, yeah, like, probably, like, two, two and a half, three months. And, and just at the end of it, it's, like, and it's over. Yep. <laughs> I, so that was the only problem I have with it, I guess. Um I think they really did use it as a device to just bring these like new spider characters into like the reader's realm to kind of flesh those out. I read something the other day that said I think Spider Gwen is going to have characters from the other like verses in it. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, I did like I think it was the um uh was it last it was yeah, that same week, last week when we had uh Spider-Woman number four, um, mm-hmm. which was kind of like a bit of a crossover in the Spider-Verse event as well. And they're on like Loom World with like Jessica Drew, an alter- the Loom World Jessica Drew and like uh, Spider-Gwen and Silk. And they're like all hanging out and stuff. Like that was a pretty good, pretty good. My, my one question, I guess, the characters that could be like pulled over, the brother that becomes good. What the I think they called him did they call him the progeny? Oh, the 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 member of the spider eaters that like yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like what he has like a he has like a steampunk nerd's like wet dream as a costume. Yeah, so and like I want and yeah, he's like crazy he like powerful. So episodes. I'm wondering where that character is gonna go. Yeah. Karn. Yeah, that's his name. Oh man, magic nerds everywhere are really mad. Yeah, he's like I don't know what's going on with. It it, it just doesn't, like, really explain where the rest of the spider people went. I mean, I guess, like, I guess it's kind of, like, you know, they have the the intergalactic spider teleporters. So I guess the fact that they've been jumping around is just like, well, you know, they can jump around all these different places. So they can get them all back eventually. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, no, they did. They do with, with like, the, you know, the crazy, like, celestial web that they were using or whatever. Okay. Like, I think, uh, yeah, Miguel mentions it in, like, the almost the, like, last panel or whatever. He's like, we can all go back home or whatever. So, yeah. So, overall, I mean, I liked it. I just thought that the payout was kind of just anticlimactic, I guess. But good overall. Yeah, I mean, the the good news, and, you know, I mean, we, we still have some comics from last week as well, but this is as good a time as any to talk about it, is we uh, we end up with some awesome solo books coming out of it. And I know you guys already kind of halfway mentioned it at the beginning, but um, Silk Number 1 came mm-hmm. out this week. Mm. Uh, and, I, I mean, I'll let you guys take the helm on this, but I can't think of a better way for Cindy Moon to make her, like, 
debut um, in a comic. I love Cindy Moon so hard. She, yeah, she rules. This com- <laughs> this like issue gave me like Miss Marvel vibes. Yeah, like sh- oh my gosh, it's so comparable to that that it's hard to like say anything else about it. Um, that's just how strongly and how excellent this is. Like she's just a quick talking little badass who handles her shit, and she's the fucking coolest. I think my one of my favorite parts in the comic because the comic's all about her like coming to terms with being a superhero, but also it does a very good job at like showing us her past and also how she's dealing with like just being a normal person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love the panel where she's fighting this guy Dragon Claw. Yeah, and so the oh, Pokemon part. <laughs> that part's great, but I love the part where she falls and she says, "Um, clever quip that masks my fear." Yeah, <laughs> like that's such a good line, and I just love it because I don't know. I just love her character. The whole it's kind of cheeseball. Like she's basically fucking Brandon Fraser from Blast from the Past, but. <laughs> Like, I'm 100% cool with that, and it just adds to, like, she has this whole, like, uh, doe-eyed, you know, kind of look to the world. Yeah, like, (laughs) Miyazaki fans will probably appreciate uh, page five when she, like, dresses herself, and she's very clearly referencing Kiki's delivery surface. I don't, you can't deny that, if, anyways. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I like that they get, they give her, like, a bit of like background into her life. They they also do a great job of showing off her eidetic memory um yeah. several times. Like she she like matches up the two ladies who work at who work at her her job and shit. You know, I mean it's great to see a new character get such a great debut. And I think Miss Marvel's a perfect perfect comparison. Um, and great de- debuts are so hard to come by because like a first issue it's so hard to do because there's so much exposition mm-hmm. and it helps that she's been introduced in Spider-Man. But like this book just did a great job at like setting the tone of what the book is, introducing supporting characters and showing you a background story without like overloading on it. I thought it, um, who wrote it? Robbie Wilson, I think, or Robbie Thompson. Yeah. Robbie Thompson wrote it. Stacy Lee did the art Ian Herring's on color. Um, Travis Lanham's doing the lettering. And it's just, yeah, they, the team handled it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And I the, just really want to see more Dragon Claw. I just want to say, like, the the lettering on the logo, like, Silk number one, just looks so good. Yeah, yeah this so, entire thing is awesome. I'm stoked I'm, for this to keep going. Yeah, very excited about this book. And it's nice because I think we had built up um, expectations pretty high for it too because we were getting hyped on Silk with the Spideyverse event. So now we just gotta wait and see what Spider Gwen's gonna be like. Fucking awesome. <laughs> hope so. Yeah, Speaking hope of so. awesome ladies in Marvel Comics, and yes. uh, this one we gotta go back a little bit. Uh, uh, none other than uh, Thor number five, written by uh, Jason Aaron. This time uh, the uh, art is by Jorge Molina. Um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Good, it, not great. It, I, I think it's it's. I think the only reason that I'm somewhat disappointed with this art is because I don't get Russell Dodderman the whole time. Yep. No, <laughs> like, I back you. You know, like we get the we get the cover of Russell Dodderman, and I'm like, sweet. And then again, side, I'm like, okay, Jorge Molina, I still like your style, but you can't tease me with Russell Dodderman right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> like Jorge Molina did an excellent job by all standards, except for Russell Dodderman's because we're spoiled and we love him. <laughs> Pretty much. 
It's like if anybody, I can't, oh my god, I can't remember who does the art on Ms. Marvel right now. Uh, fuck, we just talked about it, like, last cast. I know, uh, hold on, I'll pull it Andy? Uh, I'll we'll find out right now for you. <laughs> the uh, art for Miss Marvel is done by none other than, uh, this oh. week it was Elmo Bondock, but I think he was a guest it's artist. Alfona normally, right? Yeah, yeah it's Alfona normally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Normally so it. it's like having Miss Marvel, like, this last one was not Alfona, but... All the other ones, like, I definitely felt a difference between the two of them. And even though the story is great, still, you just kind of, your eye can't not pay attention to it. And I felt that way with this issue of Thor, although it was fucking awesome still. We're literally Um, just spoiled. Yeah, we're genuinely, genuinely spoiled by Russell Dodderman. Um, And I was a little upset when I started reading it because I realized that the art was different like immediately. And I was like, if they reveal who Lady Thor is and he's not the one who's drawing it, I'm going to be so mad. And then I was like, why would they ever do that? And then I calmed down. But this issue is fucking great, though. It's hilarious in like every single regard. And then there's a pretty awesome. um, (laughs) There's a couple pretty rad cameos. I'm not going to lie. I'm really into it. Yeah. Uh, luckily for us, uh, Lady Hammerpants' identity has not been revealed just yet. Uh, but I think, like, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this issue. There was like one panel, like, right in the middle where I was like, uh, and I was just like, this doesn't seem like Jason Aaron's writing. Um, Which panel? Uh, where is it? Put you on the spot. It was like uh, it was like right when uh, it's like right towards the beginning and uh, like when she's like uh, Thor's not a woman like the for real Thor. I don't know. Like it, it just seemed like uh, this whole thing when it was. Oh, it was a, when she was um, fighting what's his face and she's trying to have like her own yeah. little like feminist monologue. Yeah, it, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was kind of that. I mean, like. Like, to some degree, like, at one point, like, I like when I, I I thought it was clever that they went there, but I don't know. Maybe they just needed more tact. Like, don't again, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I super love lady representation and just badass ladies in general, but this was just, like, forcing our hand. Yeah. Like, and it that's... was super pandering in all the... Things like there was a pretty great moment between her and Titania with the like shine theory moment. If you guys have ever heard of that, yeah. Um, but like there was a pretty great moment during that. But the entire like six pages leading up to that are like women can't be Thor. Yeah, it just like total like meathead like fucking mouth garbage. So it was just like come on like you don't need to play it this dumb to make your point we get it <laughs> yeah exactly and 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 that's exactly what it was it just felt like forced like yeah. i didn't feel like that conversation was necessary for the book and i mean like i think we could have had that conversation in a better way it's but... like um leading into the one of the next comics we're going to talk about yeah. um kelly sue and bitch planet number 3 at the end was talking about how um, she really wanted to include like two other things that weren't able to make it into the book, but she didn't because she couldn't find a certain part in the story and it felt kind of self-indulgent to her because it didn't progress anything and she would just be doing it for her own like self. And that's pretty much what this feels like, but without the restraint that Kelly Sue has. So 
I think we can all agree the best part of the comic was when Thor drunkenly crosses Freya off of his handwritten <laughs> list of who and, Lady Thor is. And then he just puts a question mark next to Lady Sif. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, his interaction with, with Sif is the best part of the book. <laughs> I'm still giggling about oh it. Oh my I gosh. <laughs> I like his list too. Like looking at it, I actually just Googled all of the characters. Yeah. So names. the list is Freya, Aldegard, Brunhilda, I- <laughs> Idun, Tareen, Jane Foster, Rose Solomon, Lorelai, Amora, Sif, question mark, <laughs> Carmilla, Kelda, Tana Nile, Angela, and Loki is the last <laughs> name. <laughs> I love it. I just love it because I, I love fe- that Loki's on there. I feel like as the list goes further and further down, like Thor is like getting like more and more desperate to try and add names to the list. He's like, maybe I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, uh, God, greatest line ever, bartender. My survival and yours depends on me receiving more mead with all haste. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but there's also like a really awesome moment where like Freya and Lady Thor are talking on the moon. They get to like have a conversation on the moon about it. And then like she soars off and Freya like <laughs> laments about how she didn't pick up the hammer when she could have. <laughs> uh, but, it's uh, great. but yeah, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely a good, uh, you know, it was, it was a bit of a speed bump, I think. Uh, not as good as the first four issues that we had. Um, but Those four have been so good that it's hard to keep that bar up for forever. But yeah, I mean, I think actually the next one we'll end up getting will be Thor Annual. Um, the Thor Annual, which will be coming out yeah. in a little bit. Um, yeah, that's one's not... Uh, that's it's not, not for a little bit? That one's no. not next, but it's just coming soon. Okay. Um, the next one, they have a preview of one of the covers. Oh no, it's right. six, six. Is the one with all of the all the ladies yeah. on the front, right? Yeah, it's that's right. Fucking Captain yeah. Marvel and Jane Foster and Black Widow and and everyone's on there. Literally yeah, all the ladies. Scarlet Witch. <laughs> also, I'm like weirdly pumped for CM Punk, right, Thor? Mm-hmm. Just saying, like I'm, I won't really want to see what his Thor is going to be, right? Be like, also yeah. Noelle Stevenson because I love her so much. Yeah, well, I she does uh, Lumberjanes, right? She absolutely does yes, Lumberjanes. I, yeah, I think that's gonna be fantastic. The the best thing about this this Thor annual, I think, that's coming up is that we do get two people like new to the comic that get to get their hands on the character um, and see just what they have for Lady Hammerpants. You know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I just love it so much. <laughs> just pretty fantastically wonderful. Um, uh, speaking of wonderful, but this uh, this comic is actually wonderful in a much more villainous sense. Uh, Karen Gillan and Salvador Larocca. Last week they released the next, or I guess the first of our uh, spinoffs of the uh, forthcoming Marvel Star Wars line, and that would be Darth Vader. And I gotta say, this has, like, the best opening scene of any of these Star Wars comics so far, with Vader showing up to uh, treat with Jabba the Hutt. So far, these Star Wars comics are so fucking good. Like, they don't even deserve... Like, there's no right for them to be this good, and they're fantastic. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting such a, like, such a strong, like, I don't know. It's... I love this comic. Yeah. I mean... I, I, I will say that 
gosh, like there's there's so much good about this comic. Like everywhere from the beginning to the end. Um, gosh, like <laughs> so major props and good to LaRocca. There's a lot of no dialogue happening. Like there's literally just like pages of no dialogue and it's all action. But like, and we talked about it with the Star Wars comic too, is like watching the movies, I just never got the sense like, oh, Darth Vader's a badass, you know? Like, oh, he's like, I don't like, you know, watching the movies, even though I saw them at like a young age, it's like, I don't understand why this guy's so scary. Like he's kind of dumb looking and I don't know, like, I don't understand why everyone's afraid of him. And because they didn't have like the technical prowess back then, they didn't have the ability to really make him as cool as they could have. And these comics really allow him to do that. Because he just fucking goes ham on these guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, like, uh, like we're talking about him, like, treating with, like, Jabba. Like, Jabba, like, accuses him of doing, like, a Jedi mind trick on him. And he's like, no, nah, son, I'm just going to force choke you for a little bit, friend. Yeah, dude, when he force chokes Jabba, I, like, lost my shit. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and it's, it's all because he gets hella mad that Jabba calls him a Jedi. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's funny because the hardcore Star Wars nerd in me gets so much extra enjoyment out of these comics. Uh, for example, uh, Vader brings back Overseer Agadine, who oversees Simon 1, which is in the Corellian industrial sector, where uh, Overseer Agadine would be assigned to that sector based on his assignment in the uh, Star Wars Extended Universe. So, wow, you know, I'm so I'm proud of you right now. You know, it's uh, the truth <laughs> is that I am so much more of a Star Wars nerd than I often like to admit. But the reality is that it like they simultaneously create brand new stories. Like there's no there's no like record of these assaults going taking place or Vader doing these things and going around. You know, a lot of this is just hand waved off in the original trilogy or handled in like poorly written young adult novels. Um, and, um, you know, to see them really kind of push the boundaries here, you know, you get you get to see a little bit more in this comic about Vader's happenings around the around the um the the movie trilogy there's a really cool sequence where they kind of like play back um like a flashback of him where he kind of considers all of the events that you know lead him to believe that you know Luke is the one that blew up the death star he's not sure about it but he's he's got some very clear inklings about it and um god like it's so good also they gave boba fett his own wookiee yep <laughs> And he's huge, and I, I can't even pronounce his name. I think it's Black Kersantan. Kersantan? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I actually don't know if he actually exists. Uh, what up, Google? <laughs> Google should sponsor us, because uh, we just Google yep, the, he the totally whole thing. We're just big, big fans of the yeah. internet. <laughs> what can you do? He does he exist? exist, yeah. Oh, shit. Well, that's good. But only in this comic created specifically this is his first his first appearance so oh but he has his own wikipedia account already yeah yeah and, and you know what guys guess what this one's not marked legends actually canon so he does exist just so you guys know okay fuck you harris that do exist <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh so good uh oh man um well i guess we should just kind of keep on the last week wonderful comic train that we've been on 
yeah. uh, as of late. And, well, this one, I think we were talking about it um, when we were trying to record for the first time. Yeah. Uh, that we kind of weren't super, super ecstatic about this, but I, I know... We still, I mean, I know I've still personally enjoyed Gail Simone's uh, Secret Six number two. Um, it gave us, uh, this one was like a, a little bit more in depth on Catman, mm-hmm. um, uh, but also still gave us a whole lot of, you know, interaction with everyone inside this box. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, what do you um, guys think of Gail Simone's Secret there Six? There were. A couple things. So we're seeing Catman flashbacks, right? This yeah. whole issue. It's, okay. it's, interst- it's interstitial. So like uh, a big portion of it is... I love that you use that word. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can tell that I am a film nerd. Um, you can... Uh, it's, it's like in between. So like there is... It flashes back and forth between um, the the memories of him being like held in captivity before he gets put in this box and then where he is now. So, like, crazy bearded Catman that we see it's is prior. the past. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. Because <clears throat> I got a little lost for a second because he's in captivity right now in the box. So when it's, like, captivity, I'm like, is this later in the same, like, is he, like, in isolation now? I was pretty sure. I just wanted to verify. The big thing for me was I really hate when they shift art in the middle of a fucking issue. Oh, yes. <laughs> drives me fucking crazy but showing that black alice is a fucking demon yeah that's pretty cool like et- she's like an etrican she's a rhyming demon like etrican i got pretty stoked about that because i don't really think that's ever happened before so i i don't know i got really excited about that and i was it was nice to see like catman actually i'm just glad they're not in the box like i didn't want another issue of no progress in in the box yeah no i, mean, I think you know it's, uh, I think Gail found a perfect place to end issue two at in a, it's at a point where like, I don't know, I'm super excited about what's going to be coming next. Like I, you know, the door is still open to a whole bunch of different possibilities. I'm not going to lie. I could read about the ventriloquist forever <laughs> having that little doll call people sweetums. Um, when it hops off her hand and still can do stuff, really creeps me out. Yeah. yeah. I don't like dolls that move on their own. It reminds me of Slappy from Goosebumps. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's yep. a throwback. That is. That's a terrifying throwback. Or yeah. Mr. Marbles from that one episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. Love that, too. Wasn't there an episode also. of Supernatural with that? Probably. They've done, like, everything now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as far as the comic goes, though, I super love Strix more than I did before. <laughs> I, <laughs> is, it the, is it when she holds up the post-it note? That yeah, she like... has a post-it note that says, feel bad for him. He is scared. Maybe you should kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking died. It was so good. Um, that being said, I was right there with you, Ryan. Like, I... The first half of the book, I was like, fuck yeah, dude, this is the best. And then the second half, I was like, ugh, I don't care. Like, I think the art shift just fucking threw me. Like, I wasn't expecting it, and then I was, I just couldn't do it. Um, yeah, the art shift happened so suddenly. Like, I don't know. It, I don't know. And it's weird, too, because it's four pages. It's, it's like, it's, it's only four or five pages, and I'm kind of just like, 
uh, okay, did fucking Ken Lashley not have enough time to draw the last fucking four pages? Yeah, I was just like, I don't understand why... Uh, And I, like, I don't know, I felt, like, really uneasy about it, like, in a way that I wasn't expecting. There's no guest artist either, either, so I'm wondering, did he just switch art styles... I don't know because I was just the only one listed as a as a penciler as a penciler. Yeah, he's the only one listed. So unless like I know sometimes the inker has to take over, which this actually looks like heavy inking. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So it's possible that the inker just like maybe Lashley couldn't do it and he had to take over. It's my time to shine. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because this kind of brings up something that like I talked to a couple people that told me that they were really shocked by like this week's X Men cover. Because it, like, features Scott and Havoc, and, like, Havoc doesn't even show up in the comic, and Scott is, like, rarely featured until the end. And um, I think it was, like, Bendis ended up putting up that he was like, look, we made a, like, we kind of made a mistake with the the length that the event was going, and, like, the comic cover that they had on file for the for Marvel was something that, you know, they already had planned and they already had set up and like basically Bendis didn't get like a last look at it before it went to the printer and that's what ended up getting printed. So he was like, hold on guys, don't worry. Sorry about the mistake, but like enjoy the pretty cover. And I think that's maybe what happened here. Like maybe when they did like the art for this, like they, uh, maybe they like anticipated that it would end on that last panel that, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, like maybe that's what it is, like him busting out and it's like, find out what happens next in Secret Six number three. And then maybe someone like an editor was like, no, 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 we need like a couple more pages to wrap this up. Or maybe Gail Simone made the call, you know, who knows. Um, but something definitely happened because, yeah, like this art style change is so abrupt. I mean, and it almost feels like the like the first page of the art, the first two pages of the art style change seem like okay there's an art style and then the third one i almost feel like the third one is like almost back to the original art style to a certain degree it's it's very weird but yeah the one where she becomes the demon yeah like it almost looks more original and then the fourth one is just like hey catman's got picasso eyes yeah i mean like the 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 thing that I will say also is that despite the art change, the writing in this comic is just fucking fantastic. Like yeah, I could it's not get enough of the words that are in this book. Um, uh, like it's it's they do a great job with the like kind of uh, the like banter nature of like having seven possibly villains in a cell together. <laughs> you know, like um, so. Well, Gail Simone is the queen of. Like, team banter. She can handle, like, team dialogue better than almost... Her and Bendis are godlike when it comes to that. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to bounce that many characters around, and she's always done a fantastic job. I would read any team book written... I mean, I'd read any book by her, but when she writes team books, like... I never in a million years would thought I'd be like, yeah, Birds of Prey, this is going to be awesome. And it was fucking <laughs> fantastic when she wrote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember telling people like, yeah, go read Birds of Prey. And people being like, wait, what? Like, exp- you explain the concept to them and they look at you with this face like, are, are you kidding? But no, that's uh, it's a very good book. And I mean, Gail Simone's name is enough to sell me on just about any comic book. Um, Pretty much. I don't know. We love her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would read 
not a terrible comic book if it was written by Gail Simone. But Gail Simone yeah. couldn't write a terrible comic book, so that's impossible. Give me a Hawk and Dove comic written by Gail Simone. <laughs> I'll do that in a second. Uh, you know it'd be an all-female Hawk and Dove as well, probably. Uh, I hope so. See. Uh, yeah, so, um, speaking of females who are badass ladies, uh, this week in Marvel... I like the way you said ladies there. Ladies. Ladies. Oh, man, I try not to do that sometimes. <laughs> like, uh, gotta calm that, gotta calm that down a bit. Uh, but, uh, we had, uh, of course, the G. Willow Wilson penned. Um, this week it was Elmo Bondock who did the art, uh... Um, but Chris Anka did the cover, which is just fantastic. Uh, for Miss Marvel number 12, a special Valentine's Day issue, um, uh, which picture pictures... Uh, so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's the cover's adorable. The first panel has Loki with... Um, uh, that was this week, right? Soul on, Horse Manure. Yes, uh, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ms. Marvel was this week uh, that it came out, and he is covered in horse manure. And I can't help but say that, um, man, I was expecting like a Back to the Future reference going on there, but oh man, did not happen. I thought I thought maybe he'd say like something about you know one of the horses was named Biff or something. But. <laughs> You know, no such great. But uh, but this issue sees Loki taken to, quote, a corner of Midgard that has been too too long been neglected by the new gods, New Jersey, <laughs> uh, uh, where he visits uh, uh, New Jersey and is looking to track down information on the inventor um, uh, because the inventor was working on some crazy technology. And, of course, he runs into none other than... Kamala Khan, uh, who is Miss Marvel, and antics ensue at a Valentine's Day dance. Uh, this Marvel issue is day. everything I want in a comic book. Yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> if every comic book was just about superheroes, yeah, high school functions. I would literally be the happiest person in the world. Like, there's nothing that excites me more than I'm, like, reading a comic and it's like, oh, Loki's at a high school dance? Like, I just get so giddy. Loki's at a high school dance? Teen love's going on? Yeah, there's truth serums and he's putting runes in the middle of the fucking gym and, like, oh, man, this is... I would write a whole series of young adult novels about this if I could. Like, I just love it so much. Take the YA world by storm. Yep. You heard it here first. CBS, NBC, CW, Gilmore Girls meets X-Men. That's all you need in life. That's all you need. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's the best mental image because I just pictured Luke from Luke's Diner as Luke Cage instead. (laughs) But uh, it also has a moment of of, uh, Kamala's friend's brute. Kamala's friend Bruno calling uh, Loki hipster Viking. (laughs) And the best part is they pass off like Loki being in New Jersey. They're like, oh, are you from Brooklyn? Are you one of those hipsters from across the river? (laughs) Oh, my God. What's this best? This issue was just filler, but it's the best filler. Yeah. Yeah, this is filler at its finest for sure. Oh my god, it's gonna be funny forever. <laughs> That's so good, um, but uh, but yeah. So you know, Ms. Marvel, uh, another book that we definitely recommend. Uh, 
Always and forever. Picking up, taking a read for. If you can't tell, we love it. Yeah. yeah. But hey, guys. Talk about it on, like, every episode. <laughs> Marvel doesn't really do a good job at representing, you know, other cultures or sexes, so just saying. You know, I love that. I love that at one point she says, like, man, I was just going to stay home and play totally not World of Warcraft. Uh, in which I am Miss Marvel and Miss Marvel is me. <laughs> I was going to say, Kelsey, she's your spirit animal. I know. <laughs> Oh, My man. sweet baby Kamala Khan, we have so much in common. <laughs> We've all stayed home from a social function and done something ridiculously nerdy before, right? So, some oh, yeah. of us more than others. All, yeah. <laughs> one, sure. one of us more than others. Yeah, two of us. I've, I'm in that camp pretty hard for uh, one part of my life. So we also had a uh, comic book that uh, unfortunately is coming to an end. Wow. Um, and that is issue number 12 of Charles Soule his uh, She-Hulk book that he's been writing. Um, Javier Polito has been on, uh, has been kind of like the story supervisor. Uh, Munza Vicente has been the, uh, the artist and uh, Clayton Cowles has been doing the lettering. Um, it has been an interesting run of this She-Hulk book. Um, I think the last time we talked about this, we said we were kind of like lukewarm on the art style that was going on. Um, but, I mean, I enjoyed, at least at the beginning, this book was really just her dealing with awkward law issues in the superhero world. Yeah, which was good. The, the She-Hulk books, unfortunately, always unravel. Like, they always, because someone rebooted it back in, like, the 2000s. I can't remember who oh, now. Um, yes, I know what you're talking about. That was, um, I'm finding out for you right now. And it was fantastic. The first, like, 20 issues were all about her working at a law office that strictly dealt with, like, superhuman issues. And she dealt with, like, sexual harassment claims, for, uh, like, against Star Fox. And she dealt with, like, uh, time travel stuff and all these, like, crazy, really funny, um, well-thought-out law issues. And th- this series was, going was like, kind of going in the same direction. I'm pretty sure Charles Soleil actually has a degree in law. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it looks like around 2004, they first did a uh, did a reboot of of She-Hulk. It was they did like two runs of it. It was Dan Slott and yep, it was uh, Dan Slott. Joan Bubilo on art, um, and it ran for like two runs essentially, like about a year or two. Yeah, um, it was Dan Slott, and the first run was was really good and then it got sidetracked and became a superhero comic again which isn't a bad thing but it's so much better as like a law comic um that it just suffers when it turns into a superhero comic because it doesn't it just doesn't hold up as well um and i felt like uh the same thing happened here charles soleil does by the he graduated from columbia Oh, you know, just so an Ivy League law student. Yeah, so he's just an Ivy League fucking graduate writing She-Hulk. Um, yeah, so and if you read the first, like, I want to say, like, the first six issues of the comic, you can tell because it is a wordy fucking comic book. Uh, so you can tell that he knows what he's talking about, but it's, like, slowly degraded into just another superhero comic book, and while it had a bunch of, like, really cool appearances from characters who don't get used enough, like Tiger and Hellcat and um, a shockingly good... I did not mean to say shockingly good <laughs> about about the shocker. God damn it. Andy, you're rubbing off on me. 
Uh, it had a surprisingly good depiction of the shocker. Um, had puns forever. Uh, I just, I'm kind of glad the comic's over because it turned into something I didn't want to see it turn into. And at the very end, they do introduce uh, Howard the Duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's... Howard the Duck makes a uh, one-panel cameo inside this comic, which is just great. Um, you know, it's... I, I totally agree with you that the most interesting space for Jennifer Walters is for her to be, um, you know, a, a lawyer stuck in a, you know, superhero world. Like, just like anything... Like, I think at one point we may have rent, uh, mentioned... Uh, crap, I can't think of the comic now. But uh, some other comics that deal with, like, the kind of side effects of having superheroes in the world. I think um, Powers yeah, that's exactly what an example of it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, about how kind of, like, the other half deals with it. And I think that it's it's really great to see that kind of an angle. Um, however, unfortunately, you know, it's not all, it doesn't always work out there. And I think it sucks because I think Jennifer Walters is a good character. Like she is cousin of Bruce Banner and, you know, she really is a fucking fantastic lawyer as well. I loved, I mean, I, I She went to UCLA guys. Okay. Just so you know. (laughs) I loved all of, anytime she runs into Daredevil. Yeah. I just love those interactions because they're both lawyers. I would totally support a Daredevil and She-Hulk book oh my God. where they become law partners. Or Ooh. one is like okay, prosecuting, guys. the other one's defending. All right, I did it, guys. Murdoch and Walters. Yeah, Murdoch and Walters. That's the name of the comic, guys. And it's just about it. Matt Murdoch and Jennifer Walters having a uh, law firm. <laughs> God, that would be such a good comic. Bendis, where are you, man? Come on. Yeah. Step it yeah. up. Can you write that comic for me, please? You're already writing like 15 Or Charles Soule, can you write it? Can yeah, get... what's one more, yeah. honestly? Come on, guys. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately, um, we, we knew this was ending, like, what, maybe like a month or two ago, I think? Yeah, they announced it was ending a while back. It was just kind of like not selling very well partway through the run. And, you know, I mean, like we said, it's unfortunately kind of uh, spun off the rails, so... Marvel's ending a few of their books. Silver Surfers um, is ending as well, which uh, Dan Slott has been doing with yeah. Mike Allred, which I, I I fucking love Mike Allred's art, and I support everything he does. I bought his entire um, – when him and Fraction did FF. Yeah. I bought the whole run. When he did Ecstatics, like back in the mid-2000s, I bought all of those. I really love his art, um, but – I've been keeping up on the silver comic, silver silver comic as well, and it's it's really hard to follow. It's super weird and like cosmic, and that's another one that Marvel is ending next week. Yeah, I mean, I will say that like just the look of the comic, like uh, Michael Allred and Laura Allred do a great job of like the art and the coloring on like the Silver Surfer. Like, I feel like it's a Silver Age comic with the way that it looks. Uh, but you know, it, I, I'll say I, I stopped following two issues ago for the silver surfer comic, um, for the same complaint that you had, Ryan, that it was just kind of a little bit hard for me to kind of keep track of everything altogether. Although I do, I do want to say in this issue though, he literally uses the moon as his surfboard. Yep. That is a thing that happens. A wonderful, wonderful thing that happens. And he runs it into Galactus. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. 
So, like, you know, it has its moments uh, of some goodness, but... Um... I mean, I'm glad that Marvel's, like, taking chances on comics like this, and sometimes they are, like, runaway hits like Hawkeye was, which just got garnered tons of critical acclaim yeah. um, and, and really gave, like, a lot of depth to the character and created a strong supporting cast. So it's nice to see that they're taking chances. Same with, like, Black Widow and Deathlock, which we got new issues of those this week, but sometimes they just can't last more than 12 issues. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not always... Perfect. Um, but fortunately for us, we do have a wonderful, perfect comic that came out this week. Uh, this one is something that we have been excited about for just about forever, even before we knew it existed. Uh, and that's because we got Bitch Planet number three. Um, uh-huh. Team Bitch Planet once again knocks it out of the park. Uh, this week we have uh, we had Robert Wilson the fourth as the um, uh, guest artist, and this is the first of. They're each third issue, so like three, six, nine, and so on and so forth, um, will be a specific look at a character within the world of Bitch Planet. And this week, uh, we get to see the always wonderful Penelope role as our main character. And uh, you know, in true fashion, Kelly Sue does a great job of giving us a look at Penny in several different times during her life. Um, and really gives you a lot of background into kind of, you know, how Penny feels about Bitch Planet and, you know, <laughs> why she ended up there. And, uh, God, it's, it's so good. I so love it. amazingly good. I, you know, I, I will say that, like, I always get to the end, I always get to the end of the, of Bitch Planet and I'm like, it's over already? What? Come on! It like, goes by real quickly, like, man. What are you talking about? And you know, I mean, I, I it is twenty. It's twenty four pages of fantastic, um, you know. But I, I, I almost wish like, can we have like two more pages? Like, <laughs> but you know, I, I understand. It's, I don't. I don't want to mess with it too much because it's it's sheer perfection right now. So pretty much. Um, uh, um, no, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely great, and this issue was amazing too. So. Hands. No, Kelsey yeah. is tired when she doesn't rant about Bitch Planet. Yeah, can you tell? I'm seriously trying to keep myself awake right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, so just to just you know, the I will say that the comic does a great job of showing you know an amount like of just ridiculous um, societal control that this this like you know fictional universe ends up putting forward, um, just with like the way that you know. It, they deal with punishment and subservience and the, the the language that people choose to use and the way that they like when I was going through this like um, this comic the first time and there's like a scene in the middle when like I, I this like I guess what is she she's like a mother or something like the the yeah mother severtling or whatever when she like is scolding Penny about her behavior or whatever and like two or three times Penny corrects her about like the name of her grandmother and yeah. all three times, or I think it's just once actually uh, twice and twice this woman goes, Mrs. Chester Alexander, like yeah, referring to her as the male Mary. Yeah. Name. Like, and, and when I went through it the first time I was like, man, like it, the small details like that, it's very clear that the whole team is just so on it when they're writing this book. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and like, and, and you know they do such a great job of 
creating this, you know, devious position that they make while at the same time, like, highlighting the hypocrisy, you know, like, you know, right after this fucking crazy blonde haired white woman is telling Penny about what's going on. And, you know, she totally like disrespects her grandmother. She's like, Penny, loyalty is an admirable trait, but blind loyalty is the act of a fool. Right. And it's like, says the one who's being blind loyal to the patriarchy, you know, exactly. (laughs) And it's like it, it, there are little tidbits in there about, you know, where things are, the art, uh, you know, for a, a book that actually does go through some art changes partway through in a couple of these flashbacks when they show off, you know, Penny when she was like a little girl or when, you know, right before she got essentially brought in, you know, for uh, for everything going on. I mean, it also explains her hairstyle, which um, I thought was uh, pretty telling, you know, um, and, and and again, it, just to remind everyone in the back of this book is uh, a very, very well written essay by uh, this week. It's uh, Megan Carpenter uh, or yes, Carpentier, who is uh, who writes a whole bunch. About, I feel like if um, there's a single comic that you should read front to back, like every single page multiple times, it's definitely Bitch Planet. Or sex criminals, I guess, because they also have the letter daddies calling ah, which is hilarious all the time. I knew it. I knew it. You have to mention it at least once. Can't say no to Zdarsky. Uh, <laughs> I can't help it. I love it. Um, um, but yeah, but Bitch Planet for real, though, because it's super just poignant all the time. It's crazy educational. It helps open your eyes. And Kelly Sue is the greatest lady in the planet. Yeah. Uh, I think Kelly Sue also said that, uh, I don't remember if it was in the back of this issue or in an interview, it was in the back of this issue, that issue six, um, the next one where we get an in-depth look will be on uh, Mako Maki, who is one of the women who basically tells uh, Kogo to just do it, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and um, also uh, a wonderful tidbit from the back, apparently they are selling foam fingers of I already hand. sent them a check. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> of uh, just like middle fingers, of foam fingers so that good. have the NC non-compliant tag on them. But uh, yeah, Bitch Planet was fantastic this week, um, to no surprise. I mean, we we all knew that this book was going to be great. Um, One of my uh, favorite things in the back of the book is definitely their shout out to Futures Without Violence um, and all the different... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like statistics they posted about like domestic violence and how it's like the number one cause of injury to all women in the United States um, and all that kind of stuff. And just like real serious stuff, especially on the heels of this horseshit 50 shades of bullshit um, weekend that we've been having. Matt Fraction is a huge champion himself um, in speaking out out against and raising money for women's causes and against domestic violence. And Kelly Sue just reinforces their stance as the perfect power couple of comics by doing the same thing in the back of Bitch Planet. And it's excellent. So please read it all the time. (laughs) As usual, our uh, support for House Diffraction is blind and unwavering. (laughs) Um, we will gladly follow you to the depths of Bitch Planet. No Over the cliff, inside. dude. Like... Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, definitely take a look at Bitch Planet. 
Um, I think last but not least for us, I think we actually hit all of the bases for the comics we want to talk about. Um, we did. I wanted to discuss uh, Secret Identities, which is a brand new number one from Image Comics. I know that uh, Kelsey and Ryan, you guys didn't really get a chance to read uh, this one, but I just want to make sure that you guys uh, out there can get, you know, just a little bit of your hands on it. Uh, I'll let most of our review kind of be short, and then we can get some feedback from Kels and Ryan in the next episode based on how this looks. But it's basically just an introduction to a team of superhumans, a brand new universe. Like we said, um, you know, with the other number ones that we talked about, number ones have this issue of kind of needing to expand on the universe, but I felt like this book did a really great job of kind of hitting on all the, you know, the right places, um, giving you a nice view into several of the characters, leaving you with a hook at the end, as well as kind of dodging some of the, like, you know, weird, boring superhero tropes. So, um, Who, Who's writing it, Andy? Uh, it is... Is it Mark Wade? No, it's not Mark Wade, unfortunately. It's um, Brian Jones and Jay Farber are the two um, credited with the story. Um, Brian Jones is doing most of the writing, it seems like. Um, but shout-outs to uh, Elias Kriazis, is how I would pronounce that, Kriazis. Uh, he's doing the art, and the colors are by Charlie Kirkhoff. The book just looks gorgeous. Um, it's got a very, very like diverse set of characters as far as like powers, morality. Um, there's like a bit where they kind of take a look at each of the characters outside of a battle as well. So it's definitely... Um, Worth a look. Uh, another image book that just knocks it out of the park. So, Sweet, man. Go image. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go image. Can't get enough of that. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, Secret Entities number one was good enough that I, con- I was contemplating signing up for Image Direct for just that book. Oh, damn um, it. I totally forgot about Image Direct, and I already used my tax refund. <laughs> yeah, actually, like, I, you know, after getting Bitch Plan number three, I think... What I'm going to end up doing with Image Direct is subscribing to like Bitch Planet and probably Secret Identities. Paper Girls. All yeah, day. maybe Paper Girls. BKV. I so many good BKV. things going on. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, if I had fucking $1,000, I would just drop it on the fucking For Life subscription. I did right. have it, but, but I just paid off my credit card like an yeah. idiot. Yeah. Damn, oh, I'm being responsible. Paid off, idiot. Um, Gross. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, um, we have to go and be responsible adults. Uh, these wonderful folks that I uh, have to yeah. uh, have to go to sleep and then get up for their jobs in the morning. Uh, normally, this would be the time when uh, I tell you I'm guys. Sorry, you're making it sound like we're like wrapping this up like early in the evening and going to bed and sleeping. Like it's one a.m. Right in the now. morning. Yeah, it is, I have to leave for work at six. <laughs> it is uh, one a.m. Uh, and we will be we will be done very shortly. So thank you guys so much um, for uh, being a part of the cast. Uh, like I said, uh, normally this is the portion of the show when I would uh, entreat you guys to make sure to enjoy your comics and all that jazz. But uh, unfortunately, um, both last week and this week, at the time of recording, we got uh, kind of some bad news uh, from folks in the industry. And I just want to take this time to uh, really just give a shout out to uh, Gary Owens and Harris Whittles. Uh, Last week, Gary Owens, who most famously was the voice of Space Ghost, passed away at the age of 80. And uh, earlier tonight, actually, at just the age of 30, uh, Harris Whittles was found dead in his home. Uh, Two deaths to the world and uh, not just comics, but humanity that will surely be missed. So um, shout out to you both. Rest in peace to both of you guys. 
Um, and until next week, guys, enjoy your comics. We'll see you. To hear more of Two Guys, A Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast, or to share your thoughts and comic recommendations, follow us on Twitter at 2G1GTalkComics. That's the number 2G, the number 1G, Talk Comics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at TwoGuysAndAGirlTalkComics at gmail.com. All letters this time. As always, you can find more episodes of the show by visiting our Podbean at twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time. 